We've all heard the saying, learn to love the process. But why learn to love something? Why not create a process that is easy to love? Welcome to Peace with the Process, where I bring you professionals who specialize in the processes we incorporate to sustain consistent, healthy growth. I believe in learning from others' mistakes and successes. So I also bring on entrepreneurs who have been in the trenches and tell us how they got there and how they got out. I hope you find something in today's episode that you can apply to your own life and that you find your peace with the process along the way. Let's get started. Ladies and gentlemen, I am excited for today's episode. If you have seen the teaser post that I put out there, then that's probably what brought you to today's episode because of how crazy that is. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you can get it over at Instagram or Facebook. You can go and pull that up and put your comment on there after you've listened to the episode today on what you thought about today's episode. Maybe you have some questions about how you can get into a little bit of social engineering after we hear about what Chris has to say, how he got started, how he really pioneered the way for an industry called social engineering. Now, don't be daunted in any way uh, with the term social engineering if you're not sure what that is, if you if you are uh, unsure if it applies to you. I can confidently say that it does because of the conversation that Chris and I have had. I intentionally remained unknowledgeable on the subject just in case I knew we would probably have a decent portion of our audience who was not familiar with what social engineering is. So I actually came in and I talk about this in our conversation, the my decision to remain uh, unknowledgeable on the concept so I could kind of come in at it as one of our listeners in the audience today might might come at this conversation with some of the similar questions. So be uh, be confident that you will have a deeper understanding of social engineering really within the first 20 minutes of the conversation really because that's kind of what we break down and then you get a deeper understanding of how it applies to you as the conversation goes on and again like i said i can confidently say it does apply to you because of there have been people who have heard talks read books from chris and they weren't particularly his intended audience, but they took what he taught, and because of the way he taught it, they were able to apply it to their daily life in whatever their career field was. Again, he tells the story. Uh, I'm not going to do his job. He does a great job at it. But before we jump onto the conversation, I want to thank everybody who has left a rating and review for the show. Thank you so much, especially those of you who have left a review. You have taken time out of your day to write out your thoughts on how this podcast has impacted you. I am extremely grateful to have full five-star reviews from everyone who has left ratings and reviews and thankful for those of you who have received positive impact from the podcast. If you have not had an opportunity to show your support by leaving a rating and review, please do so at any of the podcast platforms that you listen to, if they offer it. If they don't offer a place to leave a rating and review, I get most of mine from Apple Podcasts. That's where you can leave a rating and review, and it really helps to get this show out there and spread it amongst other people so that they can benefit from all these amazing conversations. 
So very, very excited to bring to you another amazing guest. And I'm very grateful for the mix of people that we've had on this podcast. I can confidently say that that mix will continue to be a part of this podcast. We are going to see people from different walks of life come on to this podcast. I know that because I know who we're having on the show next. And those conversations are going to be a bit more free. Now, it's always natural that my conversations get pointed into the realm of self-growth and self-development and mindsets and uh, daily habits, daily processes, you know, the whole spiel, everything we try to do to continue growth. And specifically, Peace with the Process's mission is to provide you the tools and resources to have sustainable growth on a daily basis without sacrificing your relationships, yourself, or your health in the long term. We always discuss that there may be times where we make those sacrifices to take a leap, but we do not stay in leap mode throughout our entire lives. So I'll have more opportunities to talk about that uh, in later episodes, especially our process perspective episode. And something that I'll probably be talking a little bit about is that in two weeks, it's just some insight into my life, in two weeks, I'm scheduled to be a father. <laughs> that is getting a little bit more mind-blowing. It's kind of been out of sight, out of mind, uh, despite the fact that my wife's huge belly now, and I put my head to her belly, and he'll kick me in the side of the head. Uh, that, of course, is real, but fatherhood is different. You know, I think for my wife, it's very much very real all the time. She's carrying the little guy around. I don't have that opportunity. Um, you know, that's something that I think I think is done very strategically, everything that she has to go through. But she also gets an opportunity to be very close with him uh, leading up to uh, birth. So I don't quite have that opportunity. So it is a little, um, it's a little, it, just doesn't, it, doesn't, it just doesn't feel real yet. So I'm excited to see what fatherhood brings. And I'm excited to allow that to open up some conversations on the show about fatherhood and hearing more about some of our from some of our guests about fatherhood so if that interests you at all and you'd like to offer up some suggestions of some people that you know have a lot of good things to say on the topic of fatherhood go to instagram facebook you can message me directly or you can go to today's teaser post that i put out there and you can comment in the comment section somebody you believe that would be a very good guest to talk about on the topic of fatherhood, something that I'm looking forward to discussing with some of our future guests and future guests that I may have on specifically for that. Anyway, I just wanted to drop in a little bit of what's going on in my life. I will not delay this conversation any longer. I know that you have been probably anticipating this if you caught the teaser post on what Chris has to talk about. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let it go. Here you go, everybody. Mr. Chris had Nagy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I have got Mr. Chris Hadnagy on the show. I'm very excited to have you on, Chris. Uh, our mutual friend Robin hooked us up, and uh, he's had nothing but good things to say about you, and I've seen only good things uh, about you from what he's shared, and I'm very excited. Thank you. I'm happy to be here, Blake. And Robin is uh, very generous with his compliments. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is that. He is that. Well, 
I have done a little bit of looking into what you do. You are the uh, founder and CEO of Social Engineer LLC. And before we dive into it, I think we may come across a little bit of what that is in uh, the telling of kind of your story, how you got to be the founder and CEO of Social Engineer, what led you there, what were some ups and downs, how was that experience? Well, it's an interesting journey because I had not planned on this being the path. I uh, always been interested in technology, always been interested in security, um, you know, grew up in the day and age when computers were brand new and uh, always tinkered with programming and hacking and things like that on and off. Uh, and I got a job uh, for the company doing something called penetration testing, where other companies hire us to hack them. And we tell them how we did it. And uh, that then would be like, think of it like a physical for a doctor. You know, you come into the doctor and you say, hey, doc, I got a little pain here. Can you tell me what it is? And he pokes you and prods you, sticks needles in you, whatever. And then he comes back and goes, okay, here's the results. Here's what we can do to fix it. Well, that's what we did for companies. We we poked them and prodded them. And then we said, okay, here's where you're vulnerable. Here's how to fix it. And it was a really cool job. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I wasn't very good at code writing, which is what a lot of the job was. So I started to focus on people. And I started to just like sometimes make a phone call to a company and ask for their passwords and they would give it to me. Um, or walk up to a security guard and tell them I'm there for elevator repair and they'd let me in. And I didn't know why it worked. But, I, but it worked, you know, and I was reading books about some of the stories like Frank Abengale and Kevin Mitnick and things like that and thinking like, these guys did it, like, yeah, maybe it will work. And I didn't know why though, and that bothered me. So I started to read all these books on psychology and persuasion and influence. And I would highlight in these books and go, hey, I think that's what I was doing. Let me go try it again. So I'd try it again now with this knowledge and it would work. And I'd be like, oh, that actually worked. That was amazing. Like now I know why. And from that, it took about a year, I developed uh, the world's first social engineering framework. So it was a framework defining how humans get hacked, um, what kind of psychological principles are behind us falling victim to a scam or a con, and then things on how we could fix it, uh, little details about how psychologically we could be more aware, more secure. And I launched the, the, the framework online thinking, okay, this would be interesting for a few people. It was like a free thing. I just did it. It wasn't a service. And Kevin Mitnick, who is like one of maybe the world's most famous social engineers, because he had uh, social engineered a phone company and then the FBI and he got arrested, ended up in jail for many years. Uh, he, he, when he got out, he wrote a book about all of his exploits and became a very famous security consultant. Um, so um, her, his publisher called me and she said, will you write a book on the framework you just released? And I went, no, I'm not an author. I'm just a hacker. I don't want to write a book. And I went away. And my guy who I was working with at the time, the company I was working with, he's like, you're a moron. Call her back and write the book. Like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm not an author, man. And he's like, just write the book. <laughs> yeah. So I did. I wrote the book in 2009. It came out in 2010. It was the world's first book that brought science to social engineering. So it was uh, Social Engineering, The Art of Human Hacking. And uh, that started my company. It was companies started calling me out of the blue saying, hey, I read your book. Can you consult us on this? Can you do services for this? So I left the place I was at. I started Social Engineer LLC and uh, never looked back. And now I have uh, 18 employees and we still do just social engineering. 
you know, a decade later. And we were the first company ever to do it. Uh, and, uh, you know, now we, we started an industry. So it's a, it's an interesting ride. Yeah. That's really awesome. And it's, I'm glad to be able to be talking to someone who's like really at the source of what this is. So I don't feel entirely bad for not being a hundred percent knowledgeable on the concept of social engineering. As I did, I did do a little bit of a peek. I think I told you before we started the recording that I wanted to remain a little unknowledgeable for those of my guests who might be in the same boat. Like, Hey, okay, what is this? I'm not really sure. I took a little bit of a peek and I immediately obviously noticed a lot of the, um, uh, software uh, portions of it, you know, and 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 that, and I'm like, okay. But then I caught some of the uh, the psychological versions that I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be care. I'm very interested to see how how yeah. these two are being put together. So that is really awesome. And for you to do kind of this uh, this experiment and set out and do this experiment on your own of just asking for passwords, just you know, working your way in that you must have kind of felt like a little James Bondish when you were doing that. Am I right? <laughs> oh, man. I, th- I remember the first time um, I ever called someone to ask for a password in my head. I'm thinking, I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get caught. And then something hit me and I went, what does it matter? Who cares? Like I'm on a phone and I'm spoofing the phone number. So if they catch me, they can't do anything. They don't know who I am. I'm not going to call up and say, hey, this is Chris Hadnagy. I'm a hacker. I'm calling up as like Paul from IT, you know? So that completely took away all my nerves. And then when I did the call and it worked, I was like, whoa, wait, what the heck, right? (laughs) And then I remember the first time I broke into a building, you know, for like paid, like I get paid to fly out to places and break into them. And I remember being so nervous, man, my heart was, I felt like you could see my heart through my shirt, like just pounding (laughs) on my chest. And I'm thinking like, this is the real deal and getting past security and it working. And I'm going that I did feel like James Bond. I felt like a spy. I was like roaming around a building, having got past security and not supposed to be in this building. And it was, wow, that actually happened. I can't believe it. That is so awesome. I know when I was younger, we used to go into downtown, Uh, downtown Dallas and we would actually stand just a little far off of these uh these really nice hotels that always had one of those really nice rooftop like lounge areas you could hang out and watch the lights of Dallas we always wanted to hang out in those areas so we would actually kind of stand a little far off and we would wait till somebody was getting started to walk through the door and we would James Bond single file line start walking Uh in right behind him you know oh hey we forgot our key and go through the elevator and go up to the top floors that was as far as we would ever go because obviously any more than that and you end up with trespassing violations and all that stuff but to be paid to get to do something like that that opens up so many other really cool things that you could start sneaking around with that's so awesome yeah, I mean, I've broken into banks, I've broken into armed facilities, healthcare, medical, pharmacies, manufacturing plants. I mean, it's ridiculous when you think about it and, you know, getting paid to do that. If someone had said to me, my 20-year-old self, hey, Chris, this is going to be your career, I would have went, you're smoking something. <laughs> that, that's not even a job. That's what, that's what criminals do. Right. And now this is what I get paid to do. It's kind of nuts. That's, that's, that's really awesome. I, I wish that had been something I had come across. Uh, yeah. That would be really awesome. So you mentioned one of the places coming into like armed places. So are any of the employees informed when you do that or when you did that? Okay. So I guess for some clarification, is that something you still do a little bit of today? Yeah. Well, so we didn't do it in 2020 because of COVID. 
Um, you know, but that was only because of travel restrictions and things like that. But yeah, that's something we still do. We do it often. Um, the, the people in the company, we have a point of contact that has to know, but the security guards don't know because that's generally the reason we're getting hired is we're testing them. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're testing their ability to detect that someone doesn't belong and then to stop them, uh, without force. That's the hope. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so yeah, we've done a few of those. It's always a little nerve wracking. I mean, um, the, the, a little bit before COVID one of my guys and I, we went and broke into, a an armed facility and we did get, we did get arrested five times that week. Wow. Um, and one time we were chased by eight guys with MP fives. Oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, it was a little nerve wracking, you know, <laughs> at, at times, you know, you, you, you wonder like, what am I doing here and why? And, you know, you're not wearing bulletproof vest cause you're a, an AC repairman or a pest control guy or something, you know? So it's, it's, it is a little nerve wracking at times. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. I don't know why that's not like a punchline on your website. I get, I get, I get, <laughs> there's a profession, there's a professional level of that, but that is, that is awesome. Uh, that, maybe that it should be, who knows? I don't know. Uh, that may be a good business idea. <laughs> I don't know, man, but that's no, that's definitely, uh, an attention grabber for you being able to do that. You're running from guys with MP fives. I don't know anybody uh, outside of the military that has ever done anything like that. And even yeah. then I think I've ever heard anybody running from groups of armed men. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a little, I, you know, I look back at it and there was these, we, we got into our, our SUV and we were trying to get away and these eight guys were running at the car and they were yelling and I'm like, we're just going to take off and see what happens. And I'm like, I just floored it. And we, we sped through this parking lot going way too fast uh -oh. and uh, we got away. We, yeah, we got away and didn't get shot. But yeah, I remember when we pulled into the airport and we rented a car, I asked the lady if there was um, any insurance that covers fires and bullets. And she goes, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm just asking just, you know, <laughs> and she's like, well, this top package would cover everything, you know, no matter what you do. And I'm like, we want that. <laughs> and, and i'm just like that must have been the weirdest thing for her to hear but i'm like i needed to know like will the like if i get the car shot am i gonna be if i might have to pay for it or you know is this covered? yeah so yeah wow yeah okay that's that's amazing i don't know how to transition from that conversation <laughs> into a conversation about the psychology behind yeah social engineering so well, i can help you with that i would like yes please do because um, when, when we talk about any job like that, right, whether we're breaking into a place or we're fishing or we're fishing, part of our job is to try to understand the mindset of the people that we're going to be interacting with. Uh, so like, let's use that case where we're running from guys with MP5s. So those guys are ex-military trained security staff, and their job is to find people who don't belong and stop them. So that's their mindset, right? So if I go in thinking... Oh, this will be easy. No big deal. Uh, I'm not in the right psychological frame to go into that building at that point. So I need to understand that their job is to stop anyone who they feel doesn't belong. So knowing that, I, that means that psychologically, I need to make sure that I do belong. And if I can make them believe I belong, then I won't get arrested or apprehended. So trying to go through the process of what we call OSINT, which is open source intelligence, uh, where we look online for uh, what it is they're protecting, what the facility does, all that kind of stuff. And then we say, okay, what would be the mindset of someone who is paid to 
patrol grounds to protect XYZ with an automatic weapon. And that mindset helps us determine what pretext we should have. What risks can we take? What risks can't we take? Right now, let's take that as something so dangerous, uh, like that phone call I mentioned where I'm getting a password. I need to understand that what will make it easy? Like, why would someone just openly give a password to a stranger on a phone? So what we call a pretext, which is your act you're going you're gonna to portray when you're on the phone with someone, that pretext is, is what will make it clear to the person, like, it's okay to do this. So in that case, I was Paul from IT. And when Paul called, it was because uh, I used something that everyone says yes to. I said, um, hey, you know, Blake, um, I, I, I had some weird messages here on IT saying your computer is running really slow. Is that the case? Yeah, my computer has been slow forever. Yeah, well, I think it's due to a network problem. And I'll throw out some term, you know, like, you know, yeah, I think the flux capacitor went bad last <laughs> night or something. And, uh, you know, it's just messed up. And uh, I, but I think I think we can fix it. OK, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, I need you to go to this website and I give them a website that I know is going to fail. Right. So it fails. So now if they already go to the website, that means they're bought in on the pretext. They're like, yes, help me fix it. So that means psychologically they've already committed. So one of the six principles of influence from Robert Cialdini is commitment and consistency, right? So they committed to that act. So now I can use um, concession, which is the first small ask, go to this website. So they go to it and at 404, so that means it gives them an error. They don't get anything. So they go, I'm not getting it. I'm like, okay, let's spell it out because I'm on that page and it's working. And they go again and I know it's going to fail. And they go, I'm not getting it. I'm like, yeah, I think it's that flux capacitor. It really did uh, fail last night. Um, listen, I can do this for you if you want me to. And then I can probably fix your problems remotely. And they're like, yes, please. What do you need? Well, I'd have to log into the website as you. So I could do that. But all I need is your username and password. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it to you so you can fix this for me. So then I do it, right? I get the username and password and I type, 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 type. They hear all the typing. And then I go, okay, let's try this again. But let me give you a, a, a different site that's a little more. And now this one's going to work. So I give them that. Now go to uh, speedtest.net and uh, click that start button. And they go and then they see this little hand go and they're going really fast. Yeah, see, we fixed it. That's good. You should have no more problems after this. Thanks, you know, thanks for uh, trusting me. And hey, you know, hopefully the rest of your day will go great in your computer. He's like, yeah, it's fast already. Placebo effect. Right. Bam. Now we hang up and I have their username and password and I can log into the network as him. But all of that was based on understanding psychologically how to make that person do something that they shouldn't do. Wow. Okay. And and that's that's amazing. Uh, and it, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's something that I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, man, if somebody called me, yeah, absolutely. I yeah. definitely would. There would be no second guessing really uh, about that whatsoever. So, okay. Now let's break down what were some of the, so understanding how they're psychologically going to react. What are something, some things that, uh, that maybe you could break down in that situation or maybe some of the most common things that you would break down for somebody that you're trying to explain this to? Yeah. So from, you mean from doing it or from an education standpoint? Uh, I guess from an educational standpoint. Yeah. So uh, what I always tell clients, because they'll say, well, how would anyone not fall for that? Mm. Okay. So now this is not up to the person. This is up to the company. The company needs to give each employee the ability to verify. So now what happens, let's say it's you and I call you and, and, and you look at your phone and it says the right caller ID. 
And now I'm saying, yeah, okay, give me your username and password. Hey, before I do that, Paul, uh, let me just look you up in the system. What's your name? And, you know, Paul, okay. And let's say I, I chose a guy that really works there. So I say, oh, my name is Paul Smith. And you type in Paul Smith and you see Paul Smith. Oh, okay. You're Paul Smith from IT. Yeah, that's me. Okay, listen, Paul, um, I, I'm going to call you back on your extension. Just like, just because like, this is a big ask. You're asking me for a password and I don't really want to give that out over the phone. So I'm going to hang up and I'll call you right back. Now, bam, you hang up and you dial 103. There's the extension. And the real Paul Smith picks up You're like, hey, this is Blake. Did you just call me and say there was a problem with the flux capacitor and you needed my password? And Paul's going to laugh at you and be like, no, moron, a flux capacitor is from a movie. It doesn't even exist. And you're like, <laughs> darn it, I knew it. But you saved the day. Wow. And okay. All because you did one thing, which is you verified. Right okay. now, the, the problem or the challenge, let's not use the word problem. The challenge is people are busy. We're all busy. We have a million things happening in a day, 400 million things happening all over the time. And when we're busy, we tend to want to take shortcuts. So do I want to take the extra 30 seconds to hang up on you, call the extension, get, have to explain it all, or, you know, I'll just deal with it. I mean, it all looks legit, right? But it's that moment where we could teach people that critical thinking can save you. Right. Mm -hmm. So somebody let, let's take this out of work context. You're sitting at home. Someone calls and you pick up your cell phone and it says whatever Bank of America. There's your bank. And it says it on your phone. So, hey, hey, uh, we were calling to verify you wanted the transfer of these funds. And now through the call, they're going to ask you for all sorts of identifying information, maybe your social. They're going to ask you for um, access to accounts. They want to verify. And you're like, I never authorized that. OK, we need to stop this. I need some information to stop the payment. Well, at that moment, before you give out anything, you could be like, okay, what's your name? Oh, Blake. Okay, good. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hang up and I'm going to call the number on my card that I have for Bank of America. And I'm going to just verify this before I give you any info. And don't even give them a chance to talk. Click. You dial that toll-free number and you say, excuse me, I just got a call from someone saying they're BOA and I have some kind of weird transfer. Can you verify this? And they'll look it up. And if it's real, they'll say, yep, we need your verification. And if it's not, they'll go, we didn't make that call. Hmm. And will that take an extra 30 seconds out of your life? Yes. But will it save you from potentially, potentially losing your life savings and your identity? Yes. So is it worth the 30 seconds? Heck yes. Right? <laughs> so, and, and it's something as simple as that. And we can fix this problem. And you know, we're not going to stop the bad guys from doing bad things. And they're going to get smarter and they're going to keep figuring it out. But if we educate the good guys on how to manage risk, then we can we can at least take the risk back a few steps. So it doesn't it's not so bad. Right. So so businesses are seeking you out to basically find out how well their defenses are working. And they're they're, they're seeking you out. You're going to use offensive techniques to try to infiltrate them in one form or fa or, or another. And they're going to say, okay, I'm going to take that information and use your offensive techniques to build up our defenses. Yes, exactly right. Okay. Yep. So with that, is that, is that, uh, I would assume that's kind of the meat of what you do, but are there any other applications for what you guys do that you're, that you're recently, or that you've been being asked for? Yeah, that's a wonderful uh, question. Thank you for that. So um, like I said, I started this company about a decade ago and over the decade, I've been teaching classes 
So uh, in the last year, two, ama- two amazing things happened to me that again, like it's, it's, it, I, I wish I could have told you I was a genius and I had this path, but it just happened, right? Um, one of my classes started to get filled with people that weren't from my industry. Salespeople, um, stay-at-home parents, psychologists, teachers, law enforcement. And I'm like, why are you here? What are you doing in this class? And they'd be like, oh, my buddy from IT took it. And he said it was amazing. I needed to take it. And I would follow up with these people after class and find out that they were using it in their marriages. They were using it as part of management. They were using it uh, to get raises. They were using it to buy cars, to sell cars. I had a Zumba instructor come to my class and she was using it to connect with her potential clients to get more clients for her class. And I was like, wow, so wait, you're telling me you're using the same skills I'm using to go break in the buildings, but to sell things and to do things and you're doing it non-maliciously. And I started to framework that out more. And, and, and then I, I went and, and talked to an agent and we sold it and it became my latest book, my fifth book, uh, which just came out. It's called Human Hacking, uh, Win Friends, Influence, or Influence People, Win Friends and Leave Them Better Off for Having Met You. And it's kind of like a Dale Carnegie tribute. You I know, love but that. that. I love that. That book was written in 1936. So I'm like, hey, let's do this for 2021. And let's add an element of what I learned over the last 15, 16, 17 years of being a hacker, but how you can apply that to everyday life. And um, I, I just can't get over the emails I'm getting from parents saying, this helped me communicate with my kid or marriage mate saying, you saved our marriage. And I'm like, that, I, what the heck? What? Like, you know, that's not what I was intending to do, but it, people are using these skills and, and it really boils down to learning how to be a compassionate and empathetic communicator mm. that uses active listening skills. And then you are a world-class hacker, but you're a hacker of humans and you can do it without being manipulative and without being bad and you can get people to be influenced to do things that are good for them and for you. Okay. Well, I'm 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 obviously excited to to get a little bit of insider information as to what that what does that look like? You say, you know, it's you know, listening techniques and things like that. I guess I also like well, you may not know these I mean, may have to interview people like this, but obviously I don't want to insult your insight this far down the road either. So, I guess my immediately thought my immediate thought is how are the how are so many people taking what you were teaching and capable of saying okay i get how this applies to his industry but i could also see how this applies to to my personal deal so so how is it that they're that they're listening to that and they're they're going oh yeah 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 they're making a connection average yeah. ordinary people uh, who may not necessarily be wired to think about how can i learn from everybody and apply it to my own life type scenarios? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so it was the manner I was teaching the class because I wasn't just teaching it as in, hey, when you go break into a building, do this. Hmm. It was like, I'll give you an example. One of the first lessons I talk about is something called DISC and it's a communication profiling tool. It allows us to determine how people like to communicate and then allows you to alter your style so you can communicate better with that person. Um, and it's a very quick tool, tells you how to profile someone and then use it. So the first part of my class, we go over this tool and we go over how to use it and we teach people how to profile and then how to adjust. So think of that as a salesperson. You know, I'm a very direct communicator. And let's say, you know, you appear more like a very friendly type of, of communicator. So if sales guy is sitting in the dealership and we're both walking in to buy cars, 
if he can quickly assess from my first couple of words that I'm very direct, then he knows that to sell me, he better not be using all this big flowery speech. He better be like, okay, Chris, let me talk to you here. Look, this is the best car we have. Here's why it's the best. Here's the best deal I can give you. You want to do a test drive. Bam, now I'm interested. But you, if you're a big flowery, like friendly kind of communicator, and he sees that in the first couple of sentences you say, then you, he better start talking about how beautiful it is, how fast it is, how comfortable it is, how the leather feels like it's the softest thing on earth, how it was made in Italy or whatever. Like it better have all these things that are going to make you feel it's this most unbelievably price, priceless gem that you're about to step into. Understanding that means he's going to communicate with you and me differently for the same end goal. Whereas if he's not self-aware, he'll only communicate the way that he likes to be communicated with, which if he is also a flowery guy, great, he'll resonate with you, but it won't with me. It will turn me off. So understanding these skills allowed people to go, oh, I can make these small adjustments, not mm. change who I am, not lie, not become a con man, but by making these small adjustments, I can then appeal to a wider group of people and accomplish my tasks. Right. So we're relating with that person by kind of the mirroring effect. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. And you mentioned DISC. Uh, you may have broken it down. What does that break down into? D-I-S-C. Yeah. So D is a dominant. So that's a very dominant. And that person is more task focused um, and direct. Okay. So they're task and direct. And the next is I, and that's like an influencer. And they're direct, but they're people focused. So they focus more on the, the people. Then under that is the S and that's steady. So that's a steady person and they are people focused, but indirect in their communication. And then last but not least is the C for conscientious. And those are task focused and indirect. So like where a D would be someone who's very maybe aggressive, forward, kicking a door down, doesn't mind saying something to somebody right to their face. And I is someone who's more, um, open and gregarious and friendly and happy and outgoing. The S is someone who's patient and supportive and loves to be part of a team. And the C is all about details. They love lists and sticky notes and color coding and all that kind of stuff. They love all of those things because they're really about detail. And being able to profile someone fast and know, hey, this is how they like to communicate means that I can adjust my profile a little bit to just get you to go, hey, he actually understands me. He gets me. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that breakdown. I, do you mind if I put you on the spot and ask you if you've maybe put me in one of those categories since we've been talking? I know that hasn't may have been the, the direction of our conversation, yep. but I'm curious. Yeah, so I, I, I would have put you either in I or S or I was actually, I S. I was, yeah, I was thinking around S, uh, S. S or so, yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, just, just from our initial, before we started the interview, mm. um, uh, so, some of the ways you said things like uh, the way you prepared and the things you said you did or didn't do to prepare mm. uh, was more about spotlighting me than it was about spotlighting you, which is very S. Mm. Gotcha. Right? It's, it's a very S type of thing. Um, so uh, I, I, I would strongly go with that direction. And then I thought maybe secondary I or I maybe, and, but, um, but yeah, I was, I was definitely not thinking D or C. 
Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. No, that's interesting. I like that. Uh, and so more, a little more, okay, hold on. Actually, before I ask you for a little more about the human hacking uh, latest book that you've got out, uh, tell me a little bit about these four other publications that you've done and you can briefly go through them however you want to shape that, but I'd love to hear more about what you've sure. already got packaged together. So the first one is uh, Social Engineering, the Art of Human Hacking. And I would say if you haven't read it, don't read it. It's not a great book. Okay. It's 10 years old. It lacks a lot of scientific uh, editing. Um, it, and it is, it is just an old book and it's dated and I, I wouldn't read it. Um, and I'm saying that as the author. Okay. So oh, the candor uh, it's also, is appreciated. <laughs> it's also the only book that I have written that I have not read myself uh, for the mm. audio version. Uh, someone else read it and uh, they did not put the right inflections so when they're talking about someone getting hacked and almost, they sound almost a little happy and it's like, Oh no, that's not the right inflection for that sentence. Like you should sound a little down. That's not a good thing, you know? So um, uh, yeah, I just would say avoid that one. Now the second one, uh, maybe one of my proudest works that I, mm -hmm. that I have, which I got to write a book with Dr. Paul Ekman and Dr. Ekman is uh, like one of time magazines, most uh, the world's most renowned uh, psychologists in history he is the guy who started the whole science behind microfacial expressions and nonverbals and body language. Um, and I, I met him and had him on my show and uh, we developed a friendship and I got to, I just offered, I wanted to write a book about nonverbals and how con men and scammers use them and facial expressions. But since I'm not a scientist or a researcher, I didn't want to do it without the backing of someone who was serious. So him and I worked together for a, a year and a half or so, and we wrote a book together, and that's called Unmasking the Social Engineer. Um, I, I love that book. Uh, then my third book is very niche. It's all about phishing. So it's really geared towards a corporate person who wants to make a phishing program. So not phishing like F, but PH phishing, you know, emails. Mm. And it's all about the psychology of phishing and how phishing works and why uh, phishing works and what kind of how to set up a program to audit and test your people. So uh, that one um, is called Fishing Dark Waters. And mm. then my fourth one is the um, social engineering, the science of human hacking. So I rewrote my first book, the one I said, don't read. I rewrote that one now with way more science in it, a lot of research and detail, 11 years of stories added to it. Uh, so it's a much better version of the book. Now, all four of those are really geared towards uh, people who are either enthusiasts or want to be in this field, right? They really do focus on like pen testing or adversarial simulation uh, as part of this field. Whereas my fifth book is more of a, anyone on earth can, can really read this, but it's like a leadership management book that can help people just be better at communicating in any role you're in. That's that's perfect because that lines me up to say I'd love to go more into some of what you talk about in uh, in the fifth book because, yeah, obviously as cool as it sounds, unless you're going to give me an opportunity to, to James Bond into some some high heavily gunned places, I'm probably not going to quit what I do to go do that. Understood. As cool as it sounds, I would uh, hey maybe an intern, maybe you've got an intern program set up, I'd come out and do it. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to hear more about this fifth book. I think that would be, uh, that's something that our, our listeners are going to get a lot of value from. It, for me, it was, um, I started to realize that I was using these skills in my life every day. And I was, and I had, I had a, a moral ethical line that I wouldn't cross. So like, I'll mm -hmm. give you an example. I wanted to get a free upgrade on a flight. 
And I wanted to try getting this upgrade by utilizing um, some jokes, some humor, some compassion. But in my head, I said, if I'm successful, we're going to get this uh, agent, the, the ticket agent, into a position where she's going to have to make a decision. And I want her to be able to be free to say no. Because when, I give, when you don't give someone the freedom to say no, then it's manipulation, not influence. Mm. Right? So if I ask you to do something and I make it so you feel so obligated that saying no is going to make an awkward di difference, difference between us, now that's manipulative because you're making not the decision if you should do it. You're making the decision if you should tick me off or not. But if I give you the freedom to say no to something, well, now you're not so worried about um, our relationship. Our relationship will be fine, right? So in this case, we were in London, my, my daughter, my wife, and I, and we were flying back in Heathrow Airport, and we were on Virgin Atlantic, and we were in economy class. So I thought, you know, let's just try to get like premium economy, and let's see if we can get it for free. And, you know, my, my wife, who is just naturally this amazing, friendly, kind, warm person, um, I didn't have to tell her to do anything. I knew that as soon as we got to the counter, she's going to have a conversation with the person. So I'm scanning all the counters and I find this woman who's very attractive um, and had done her makeup. And that's one big thing for my wife. She loves makeup. So we go <laughs> up to this counter and right away, just as I expected, my wife is... Um, my wife says, your makeup is so perfect. It's so beautiful. Oh my God, you matched it to the scarf. I mean, you could see this woman smile from a mile away, right? She <laughs> is just smiling so big and she's like, oh, thank you so much. And then my wife's like, where can I buy that scarf? Like, can I get, I love those colors. She's like, oh, they're just, if you work for, you know, Virgin Atlantic, I can't sell it to you. Sorry. And she's like, oh, but they're so good. There's, it's like so beautiful. And they're talking five, 10 minutes right now. I'm loading bags on the thing. And, um, and then I, I lean over and I put my arm around my wife and I say to the lady, I said, look, I'm, I, I hate even asking this, but I, we probably can't afford it. But is there any path to upgrade like anywhere, maybe even to premium economy? I mean, heck, I'd love to fly Virgin first class, but you know, even premium would be better than where we're at with, that, with the goats in the back, right? <laughs> and she kind of chuckles and she types away on the computer and she doesn't look at me at all. She looks at my wife mm -hmm. and she looks at her and she says, I'm going to give you a present today. And I'm like, oh, like I say, what, what is it? She doesn't even answer me. Type, 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 bam. She prints something out. She hands us three first class tickets. First class. Wow. So I said, oh, ma'am, I don't know if I can afford this. What's the cost? She doesn't even look at me. She goes to my wife. They're free for you. She goes, go enjoy the lounge for the next two hours and then enjoy your flight home. And wow. we left there with three first class Virgin Atlantic lying down flatbed seats. And oh if you've ever gosh. been to Heathrow in the Virgin Lounge, they give you free whiskey, free massages. You can get your hair and nails done. There's there's swings. There, it's like it's it's unbelievable. It's I had we had meals. It was unbelievable. All the stuff that we had. So analyzing that is. At the end, we use a lot of influence, a lot of compliments. We made her feel better. All of that was really good. Mm -hmm. But giving her the choice is what really helped. See, when I said, we probably can't afford it, then what I'm saying to her, she could have said, yeah, those tickets are like $7,000 a piece. And I would have went, oof, we definitely can't afford that. Thanks for checking. <laughs> right? And that would have been her out. She could right. have said, yeah, you know, I, I can't give them, I can't give you that for free. And it would have been like, okay, yeah, thanks for checking. 
you know, hey, well, what's premium economy? Is that cheaper? And then she would have went, oh, like uh, maybe three, 400 bucks. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Thanks. You give us those. Mm. Right? And that would have been fine. Um, or she could have said, hey, these are seven grand, you know, but I can upgrade you to premium if you want for nothing. Right? Either way, we gave her a choice. Right. And the choice could have been to shut us down. The choice could have been to give something to us or the choice could have been to give us a discount. Hmm. But any way it goes, she has not wrecked the relationship with her new best friend. Wow. And that, is awesome. that means we influenced, not manipulated. So you use skills like that every day in life and you can get amazing things that you want and people feel better for having met you. So when they meet you, they go, I really like that guy. That was a great interaction. Later on that day, she probably was still smiling about this woman who complimented her makeup and made her feel amazing for having spent all that time. And, you know, she probably thought about the look on all of our faces, smiling and thanking her nonstop for giving us this first. I mean, we had never flown first class before that. So she, we're, we're telling her this is our first time ever in an international flight. Like, this is amazing. Like, she probably left feeling validated that she gave her a family the first time experience and all this amazing stuff. Wow. So, you know, I mean, like there was a lot of positive there and no manipulation with that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of something that might come straight to somebody's mind when they think about this is okay. So am I just supposed to go around schmoozing people right. and seeing how that works out, which obviously no. like, like you pointed out, right. The answer is obviously no, right. but like you pointed out your wife, it was her own instinctual reaction was to yeah. get into this conversation about something she already, she connected with, she related with, and she could from the heart actually yeah, compliment her on. Yeah. So we, I wrote all that whole process down. I tried it six more times with my wife. It worked four out of six. Wow. Now, That's we didn't always get you. first class, but you know, sometimes we just got upgraded one, you know, to premium or, or sometimes we got just a really hefty discount and sometimes we got nothing four out of six, you know, now um, like taking that out of a, 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 that context and let's talk about it for either from business or family or, um, something else. Like if you, if, let's say there's someone listening to this and they're like, I need to motivate an employee. I have an employee that works for me. I'm managing this person and they were really great when I hired them. Now they're slacking. They're not doing that great. And I need to get them back up to that top tier. So what can I do? So I, I, I let's say, let's talk about employing disc. So we say, okay, let's say it's, it's you, Blake, you know, and I'm like, okay, what does Blake value? He's an S. So that means Blake values team. He wants the team to succeed. And maybe he feels frustrated lately because I haven't, we've been quarantined and he hasn't been working with the team. So he's feeling a little bit alone, a little bit distant, maybe a little bit depressed because he's one of those people that likes to be with other people. So how can I motivate him? So, okay. So I called Blake into the meeting. Hey, Blake, look, I want to talk to you about a few things. Um, you know, I, I need your help with something. Uh, I got a project coming up in two months and it's going to be a project that's going to require a real team player, right? Somebody that can work with, you know, uh, with cause and with Ryan and with Maxie. I need, I need someone who can really manage that process. And I know before in the past, you were really good at stuff like that. Um, and I want to see if you'd be willing to take that project on. Now, if, if I'm hitting all the right nerves, you're like, I would love that. Okay, great. Then this is what I need your help with because I, I felt like you were going to say that. Right now, for me to give you that project and make sure nobody gets upset, I need you to like step up the quality of your present work by like 50%. Because if you could just get back up here, 
then when I give you this project, no one will be like, why'd you give it to him? He's been slacking. Mm. Right. And they'll all be like, yeah, give it to Blake. He's, he's amazing. Like, look what he's been doing the last few months. And do you think you can commit to that? So I can give you this, this project in a couple months. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. I'll definitely do it. Now you have a motivated reason. Whereas I could have called you in the office as a D and went, listen, Blake, you're sucking lately. I mean, real bad, dude. Like, I mean, I've noticed like a 50% decline in your work and I don't know, man, I'm wondering if you even belong here anymore. Like, so either shape up or we're going to replace you. Now, will that motivate you? Maybe, but will it motivate loyalty? No. Mm. But by using DISC and my pretext of empathetic boss and then using influence principles, I now motivated you to not only have a goal for the future, but to fix the present problem because of that goal for the future. Yeah. And now I have a loyal, compliant employee that's motivated. And if you didn't, so let's say you went, yes, 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 I want it. And then we left that meeting and everything stayed the same. Then maybe the answer is you're not, but I didn't promise you the thing. I said, if you do this, you get it. So now mm. two months rolls around and you're like, okay, when do I do the, pro well, like you see you and I talked, when I talked, remember I said, I needed you to do this so I can give you this, this pro I mean, look at, look at the stats here, bro. Like we didn't hit that. So right. I, I can't do it because then these other people will be like, well, why did you give it to him? Mm. Now it's clear. So now if I see a bad attitude, now maybe it's time to say, okay, I'm sorry. Right. I like that. And I, I think immediately, because you talk about the book being a little bit of a tribute to Dale Carnegie, I think immediately I noticed that being a very different take on what he talks about in his How to Win Friends and Influence People book of, uh, how does he word it? I think it's uh, appealing to their interests. Yeah. is it? It's kind of long, It's kind of along the same line. So I like it that. Is. It I is, like that a lot. It, you, so if you think about this, a uh, disc was formed by uh, a man named William Marston, and it was based on work that he wrote in 1932. So when Dale Carnegie was writing the book in 1936, 1936 um, um, disc wasn't really widely used yet, but it's the same principles. See, if I know how you like to communicate, then I know what you value. Hmm. So you'll value team as an S. You'll value having time to fix a problem and not having to do it now. So by saying in two months, you're going to have this project. If you do X, Y, Z, I've set clear expectations and I've given you time to fix that issue. Whereas if I said, look, this project is starting tomorrow. So by tomorrow, I need to see this report, this done and this done. I've stressed you out and I haven't communicated with you in a way that's going to motivate change not loyal change, right? So you can motivate change by kicking people in the pants nonstop, but you're not going to get loyal change by doing that. Right. So, I like you, that. Yeah. And I'm happy that I'm happy that you mentioned it because it's funny. I, I full-time I supervise a sales office and with that what I've done is I've had the opportunity to try some of the stuff that I've spoken about uh, with several individuals who talk about, you know, things we can do for, for team efforts and stuff like that. I actually just had a conversation. Uh, of course I can't name drop or anything, but it was with a gentleman and I asked him, I said, I said, you know, sir, do you have a, do you have a desire, you know, to, to go up to the next level here? And I just want to kind of engage that with you. What, you know, how does that look for you? What is your, what does your time here look like for you? And he said, you know what? I do see myself, you know, playing a, playing a larger role in this company and, and doing something that I feel I can really help this be a better place, uh, you know, and function better, you know, than maybe it does today. I said, that's absolutely great. I said that there's, you know, there's two areas that I think 
if you improved in, it would really put you in the running for that position because we're looking to hire from within. We're, you know, we don't want to necessarily hire from somebody without or from out. And I need to help. I need to gauge the rest of the team as well on this too. So, but with you, and one thing would be, you know, let's uh, let's bring some documented reports for things that you think might not be going so smoothly. Because the context of this was that there was a problem. He was telling me about a problem within the company. And so, you know, but we didn't have any evidence. We didn't have any examples. I would have had to have gone and chased those things down. So I had to try to show him why it's important to bring that in, in kind of a file presentation to me when this is coming up. So I said, this would be a great way to do that. And then the second thing is, is one of the things that we had a hard time with in our conversations is that he would cut me off a lot. Uh, he, he would, he would cut me off a lot or, you know, he would, uh, I would, yeah, he would cut me off or I would, he would be speaking and he would kind of amp up whenever I was trying to come in and, and keep me from talking. So I said, that's something that we'll have to work on. And then almost immediately after there were, there were no more interruptions there, the rest of the conversation, it was very much leaving some space in between each of our sentences so that, so that he could get that through. So I, I just thought that was interesting to be able to kind of take some of what you were explaining in yeah. something that I experienced in my own life. That's really cool. That's really cool. I always, uh, we talk to people a lot about active listening because like that last thing you were talking to him about, mm. um, sometimes people aren't aware that they aren't active listeners and they think they are. And it's like, well, let's really define what active listening is, right? That means while you're speaking, I'm listening to you, but not with the goal of what am I going to say next? What is, what is, what am I going to be able to add to this? It's literally listening to you and then letting whatever thought formulates formulate, but not yeah. planning. Because if I start planning, now I'm planning my next words and I'm not listening to you anymore. Yeah. And we've all done this at times where you're doing that and you're thinking, okay, what am I going to say next, Chris? And then you ask a question and I'm like, oh crap. What was the question? You know, and it's like, uh, yeah, uh, yes. You know, and it's like, well, that that was the wrong answer for that. You know, so uh, active listening means that I'm always listening when you're speaking. Yeah, and absolutely. I don't have to worry about uh, formulating my answer. And if I need time, like if you said to me, "Hey, I'm going to put you on the spot. Let me ask you this question." Okay, give me a second. Let me think about this. Right now, that's not a wrong answer. That's okay. I don't have to be a, an immediate answering uh, for every question you have uh, because it's the, that immediateness uh, we sometimes tie to our ego mm. and we, we think, well, if I don't answer immediately, he's going to think I'm dumb. Well, I'll tell you what impresses me more is when someone says, you know, I don't know if I know the answer to that. Let me think about that for a second. Oh, now you're telling me that you're actually thinking before you speak. That mm. impresses me. I like more. that. I like that a lot, thinking about the origin of why we feel the need to answer quickly. I never thought about that in particular, but I have definitely personally uh, experienced instances where I spoke too quickly and said something pretty dumb. Yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> obviously, when I was, uh, even when I was younger, I'm fortunate that I've identified it when I was younger and, and, and worked on it very hard as I got older, but it was the, uh, the immediate, like, I, temper issues, you know, something, letting something bug me or letting something kind of annoy me to the point where I give maybe a, an aggressive response or mm -hmm. a, an attitude response. And I used to tell myself, I need to figure out how to just shut up, <laughs> how to just shut up and take a moment to analyze things. And I never could figure out how I needed to do that later on. And then I found this amazing practice unintentionally. Uh, my boss had gotten throat surgery. 
uh, he was a he was a singer on the side. He, he he did a lot of singing, and so he was getting throat surgery on his vocal cords because he had something had gone wrong with him. So he was getting that taken care of. He could not speak for I want to say it was at least two weeks. He was not allowed to talk, so he had to write things down. And I thought this is so amazing, like that experience of being able to communicate with my boss, um, and him not be able to say the first thing that came to his mind. He actually had to think about it. And as he's writing it down, you would even see him erase some things and write it up. So Uh you see almost a different side of a person. So then I thought, okay, I'm going to try that. I can't do it for two whole weeks. I'm going to try it for a weekend. Obviously, I learned a lot about myself in that that time. One, I talked to myself more than I thought I did when no one's around. (laughs) And, And two, I realized the... Yeah, the opportunities to think things over, like you realize the first thought that came to your mind, okay, that was a dumb thought, but I don't, I'm not supposed to talk right now. So this is great. I have all this space to think about it. Unfortunately, it's a little difficult whenever you don't have a medical excuse to not talk to your employees. So I didn't get to have it at the same level that he did, but it was definitely an eye-opening experience. Maybe I'll have to try it again later on down the line. It's, it's an interesting thought process because, um, I, I think many times when we when we think about uh, what creates vulnerability for people in situations where a scam or a con or something like that, or even an emotional outbreak, it is just that it's emotional. It's emotions. Mm-hmm. And emotions stop critical thinking. And they stop us from using uh, reasoning power to figure out what to do next. Uh, and I remember reading something once where people would say, um, you know, when you get an email that really upsets you, get up and walk away. And I found that never worked for me, ever. I got up, I walked away, I thought about how angry that email made me. Then I came back and typed out the same crappy response I would have typed before and hit send. So yeah. I said, well, this isn't working. I better figure out <laughs> how to fix this. So here's what I started doing is I typed the email out and I don't click send. Then I get up and walk away. Mm. So now what happens is now I'm not stewing over it because it's off my chest. I got all the words out. Then I come back and I commit to myself to read that email out loud before I click send. And when I'm doing that, I'm going, oh my God, was I really going to say that? Was I actually going to use that word? I was going to call this person that thing. Oh no. And I start to delete most of that and rewrite it. And that's worked well for me because it's, it's kind of like what you were saying with your boss. He's sitting there writing. That means he has to think about every word he is putting down because our hand cannot write anywhere near the speed that our brain can think. Mm. So as he's thinking of the things to say, he's scribbling down like, Oh wait, ooh, that, that, that reads bad. He crosses that up. Like, I mean, let me rewrite that. And that exercise, woo, that is, can you imagine um, telling your team? I mean, what I do here is I say, look, if we got really important things to talk about, put them in an email, send an email with the detail for a meeting request. So if I have to talk, like in that scenario before, what I would have done is I wouldn't have said, hey, Blake, can we meet real quick? It wouldn't have been that because I'm not firing you, so I don't need to surprise you, right? So it would have been, hey, Blake, I really want to talk about um, a, a current project and a future project I want you to handle. Do you have time tomorrow at two? Hmm. So now you're not sitting there all night wondering, what is that meeting about? Why does my boss want me in the, like, what, what did I do? And your, your stress levels go through the roof. I right. hate meetings like that, right? So it's like, think I type it out. I tell people, write out your thoughts, send them legitimately, and you'll be amazed at how much better communication you have with people. Yeah, 
That's awesome. I like that too. And I knew that this was going to be a conversation that we were going to get down to the time of, of our, of our hour together. And I was going to be like, Oh no, we're almost at the end of our yeah. time, but no, it's so awesome. I've, I've genuinely enjoyed our conversation. I want to allow you uh, uh, obviously some time to tell us about uh, where people can stay connected with what you've got going on uh, anywhere that they can go and kind of search through some archives of what you've already put together. Uh, so on and so forth. Obviously your podcast being one, in, uh, I think unique in its own, uh, at least one of the first ones uh, in terms of the conversations that you're having around social engineering. So please take uh, as much time as you'd like to talk about that. Thank you. Uh, on Twitter, which is where I'm most active, I'm human hacker. So that's easy enough. Uh, I do a lot of posting on LinkedIn too. And I also write a blog for psychology today, which is kind of cool. Um, you can find uh, the framework podcast newsletter on social-engineer.org. Uh, my company is social-engineer.com. Uh, and um, um, if you check out my nonprofit, it's called the Innocent Lives Foundation. So it's at innocentlivesfoundation.org. Uh, we utilize the skills we've been talking about to work with law enforcement to help identify uh, child predators who try to remain anonymous. Mm. And uh, once they're identified, we then hand them over to law enforcement to get arrested and apprehended. So you can check that out, innocentlivesfoundation.org. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, which is a little self-promotional, but I'm really proud of it, is I recently became the world's first professor of social engineering for University of Arizona. Wow. So I am now teaching social engineering at an actual university course. Congratulations. Uh, thank that is you. amazing. It is. Uh, like I said, if, if 15 years ago, you told me that it would be an industry, it would be companies, it would be, there would be competitors, that it would be a college course, that there would be five books, I would be like, you are definitely not right in the head. And <laughs> I would not have seen it coming. And here we are. So that is so awesome. Well, it's an absolute honor to be able to talk to you, and, you, you know, the founder of this industry. Um, so okay, one last question. Again, please forgive me for the timing on this one. What is something you do on a daily basis? weekly basis, whatever that looks like that you feel helps you continue to grow? Oh, man, I spend I spend time every day reading something mm. every day. Um, I, don't, I don't care if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, but every day I have a list of I have a list of books right here on my shelf. These are my two read books. And I always have the one that I'm reading right next to me. And I spend a little time every day just making sure I read. Um, and, and the books don't have to be about my industry. Like the one I'm reading now is about uh, how the brain works on, on an emotional level. I just reading to me and, and I, I won't, I won't tout this. I like paper. I know some people can do digital. I don't care how it is, but I take a paper book and I sit and I read for at least 10 to 15 minutes per day. And to me, that is, uh, one of the things I do. And then the other thing I promote is time away from screens. Mm-hmm. Uh, working out, being with your family, uh, the, whatever, meditating, praying, walking, I, I don't care, but just time where there's just a piece of technology not attached to your hand or your face. Uh, those two things for me make a huge difference in, in, in my mental well-being and my positive outlook. 
Yeah, I love it. I love it. I'm glad. I'm glad that I have both of those in my life, uh, and and that it's coming from somebody as influential uh, as well, yourself. You. So uh, again, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on the show. I already know that I have yet to tap into your depth of knowledge and all the things that you have to offer. I'd love to have you on the show again uh, in the great. future. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I will go ahead and uh, let you get on with your day uh, and the amazing things that you do. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Blake. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chris Hadnagy. How awesome was that? Was it everything that you anticipated it would be? Did you realize that you could get paid to be James Bond? <laughs> if you get a chance, definitely go and check out his podcast, uh, The Social Engineering Podcast, the first of its kind for its industry. It may not be your particular industry, but there are things to be learned from it, as we talked about on today's podcast. You can also check out the... Um, book that Chris came out or Chris published human hacking when friends influence people and leave them better off for having met you his tribute to uh, Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people so uh, we talked a little bit about that so thank you so much for checking out another episode by peace with the process now if you have not had a chance to check out the insiders access emails this is where you get all the links. You will, you would have had the links to Chris's podcast as well as the link to get a copy of Chris's book if you had signed up for the Insider's Access emails. If you're interested in getting that, that way you don't have to go digging around. You can have all the links sent directly to you via email. You can head over to peaceoftheprocess.com. You can scroll down a little bit and click on resources. You can check out everything, uh, resources that we've had on the podcast and in each of those emails in there that way you can kind of get caught up and then you can fill out the form to sign up right there or if you just want to go ahead and sign up real quick and get started on the next episode you can scroll all the way down to the bottom of peace with the process on that main page and fill out the form to get signed up for those insider access emails basically what that does is it's going to give you an opportunity to have all of the links the tools resources um conversation little tidbits that we may have discussed on the show or things that we haven't discussed on the show and it just came to light maybe after the fact and any opportunities to win things get gifts uh, any promos that might have been brought on to that episode that is your opportunity to get it immediately as soon as the podcast airs so that puts you in the inner circle of people who receive it before anybody else so if that interests you, again, you can find that over at peacewiththeprocess.com. Now, thank you all for being dedicated listeners of the show. I sincerely appreciate you. If you had some really great takeaways, if there was anything about today's show that you thought was just amazing, you want to share your uh, idea, you want to share your gratitude for the guest that was on the show, whatever that is, do so over on Instagram or Facebook by checking out the teaser post that I did for today's episode and putting your comment in the comment section. Uh, not only does that allow you to kind of hop in and give us your thoughts on today's episode as well as giving the, um, the guest your thoughts on today's episode or just kind of thanking him for coming on, you also help with getting this out there getting this message, getting this conversation, getting this podcast spread out there. Uh, as many of you know, the more interactions uh, that you take on our socials, 
the more it shows up in front of everybody else's page and more people can see these awesome conversations. So we thank you for leaving ratings and reviews and for interacting with the teaser posts on these episodes. Uh, now, if you're looking for us on social media, it is peace with the process on everything. Uh, we have got that locked down and we sincerely appreciate every single one of you. We will see you all next time on peace with the process.